This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Potodri for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Retty or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! Rich light of foot there. Bukashira! Tuesday and you know what that means welcome to episode 69 of the ABZ football podcast I'm Gary Scott joining me I was gonna say this week but for episode one of this week it's Gavin J Baxter Gav how's it going episode 69.0 of course uh I'm great I mean there's only one thing left to be said at a time like this really and it's I'm gonna let you and Curtis take it away Lee Johnson Jamie McAllister, Ryan Porteous, get it right up you. <laughs> I in forgot Jamie McAllister was part of their coaching staff until yeah. last night. And, you know, you mentioned Lee Johnson's a ex-Hearts player, of course, McAllister as well, an ex-Hearts player and all-round Raj. So made it even sweeter getting that victory last night. Absolutely. We'll come on to that in a minute. In a week that saw Sevco 5-0, Limited officially become the worst team in Champions League history. Another world record down Govan Way. Do you think they'll be putting that up on their wall? Uh, next to a picture of the Queen, yeah. Absolutely. That saw Calvin Ramsey make his long-awaited debut for Liverpool and that saw no marks Jermaine Pennant and Jamie O'Hara with one of the wildest takes in footballing history. It's another busy week on the ABZ Football Podcast as we take a look back at our 4-1 win over Hibs under the lights on Friday night. We take a look back at all the news from AB24 this week. We'll check in with the young team, along with our regular loan watch. And after the break, we'll look ahead to our first trip to the Tony Macaroni on Tuesday evening in the company of Owen from the Almond View podcast. But first, Aberdeen 4, Hibs 1, Friday the 4th of November 2022. Pataudry Stadium, the SPFL Premiership, and after... Last week's debacle at Ibrox, there's one change to the Dons' starting lineup. Hayden Coulson coming in for Jack McKenzie as the Dons persisted with the 3-5-2 formation that got us in all sorts of bother in Govan. A bright start from the home side saw Marshall having to quickly intercept a through ball from Stewart before Duke bore down on goal following a slip by Ryan Porteous on five minutes, but Bashuri did well to make a block from the Cape Verde and Hibs beginning to grow into the game but despite all of their possession restricted in the main to efforts from outside the box although Henderson's effort from inside the box was well tipped over by Roos Coulson with an effort on 28 minutes from a Miofsky cross which was well blocked by a Hibs defender a fizzing free kick from just outside the area by Kukovic I can't pronounce this name Kukerevic uh, Kukerevic Kukarevich, thank you, Gavin. Flying just over the bar with Kelrus well beaten before the Dons 
should have taken the lead on 35 minutes. A fine ball by Mayofsky, releasing Duke and his finished past Marshall was spot on. But Cabraja? Cabrea. Cabrea, thank you, Gavin. Race back to clear the net-bound effort. The game, though, bursting into life right on halftime. Good work by Jaden Richardson, seeing his through ball to Duke, who was initially flagged offside and then subsequently appearing to be brought down by David Marshall. The first ever VAR check at Pataudry showed the offside was incorrect, and after much deliberation, referee Munro was advised to have a look at the VAR monitor himself, and he pointed to the spot. Miofsky's initial penalty saved by Marshall, but as Hibbs broke on a counter-attack, the game was pulled back as VAR had once again identified that Marshall was at least two yards off his line. When the spot kick was taken, Miofsky finishing at the second time of asking low to Marshall's right, a little bit of afters in the aftermath of the goal, but halftime, 1-0 to Aberdeen. And into the second half, the Dons quickly made it to a fantastic corner from Clarkson in front of the Y. Miofsky pulling off Newell beautifully and planting his header back across goal past a stranded David Marshall. Delightful, delightful stuff. The Dons only had to wait eight more minutes to make it three. A corner from the other side this time, headed clear by Hibbs defender ahead of Liam Scales. But the ball fell for Ilba Ramadani on the edge of the box and the Albanian volleyed first time past Marshall for his first goal for the club. And how fitting it was, it was at the Merklin Road Ed. The midfielder booked for his celebrations after threatening to go up and down all the stairs. Duke nearly making it four with a fine free kick that Marshall had to tip over. Hibbs pulling a goal back when Kukarevic bundled home from three yards, initially ruled out, but then overturned by VAR. Marley Watkins replacing Duke on 73 minutes and his impact was pretty immediate. The Welshman getting onto a fine ball from Barron down the right flank and his inch-perfect pass from Clarkson, who took past Marshall and despite looking as though he'd overrun it, popped a lovely back heel into the bottom corner for four. Mackenzie for Coulson on 78 minutes before Miofsky and Clarkson were replaced by Kennedy and Duncan on 90 minutes as the Dons, in the end, saw it out comfortably. Now, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. Gavin, I think it's the first time we've ever done this. But no matter the results, the Dons will finish the weekend in third spot with two games to go before the break for the World Cup. Full-time, Aberdeen 4, Hibs 1. Now, the data, interestingly, for a team that wins by four goals to one, possession, uh, 39% to Aberdeen to 61% for Hibs. Total shots, 7 to 17 for the visitors. Shots on target, though, 6 to 6 and an expected goal of 1.69 to 1.50. Gavin, just your initial thoughts on Friday Night Football. Friday Night Football, absolutely loving it. Uh, cannot get enough of a nice wee pint before the game and going into the weekend in style with a with a Dawn's victory. I mean, as far as the game itself goes, I mean, those statistics, first of all, as someone on Twitter pointed out, Stephen Glass would be loving that kind of chat. Uh, 61% possession. Doesn't matter, you lose the game, kept the ball. Um, a strange game of football in many ways. Um, a pretty, just a bit of a, a nothing first half in many ways. I I didn't think we were particularly good. Um, felt overall Hibs controlled possession and, and dominated the ball and felt quite uneasy whenever they attacked, even though they didn't necessarily create any clear-cut uh, chances or, or um, situations that they should have scored from. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, VAR is the is the big talking point, as you'd expect it to be. I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in greater detail. But, I mean, first and foremost, the victory is just very, very satisfying, given there was a bit of 
little bit more dig, uh, a bit more edge about a game with Hibs than I'd maybe experienced before. You know, you even saw before the game. I mean, you'd have been too busy munching your prawn sandwiches Absolutely. in the build-up before, but the police made the peculiar decision to march the Hibs young team past the main stand at roughly quarter past seven, 15 minutes before kickoff, which I thought was a <laughs> peculiar choice, but it is what it is. And yeah, to get the win, very satisfying. Uh, to get it right up, Ryan Porteous and the rest of the Hibs team. And to, you know, take our place back in third spot in the league, give ourselves a platform to, you know, finish up this stage of the season um, in third place and um, look forward to building on what we've made uh, in the second half after the World Cup. Absolutely. So let's um, let's have a look at this. The formation, the setup. Were you kind of surprised that we went with the same shape as last week, given how badly it went? And we kind of touched on in the preview for this game, Hibs were likely to come at us with a similar sort of threat that, mm-hmm. that that Rangers had in terms of coming down the wings, looking to try and probably create overloads in the wing-back areas. Were you surprised we went with the same formation, same setup again? The only change being Colson in for uh, Mackenzie? Um, given the personnel available, I think I said last week, the only way I saw that changing is if Johnny Hayes was fit and available, which um, obviously he wasn't. Um, no, not really. I think I expected us to to stick with the three at the back and uh, the three in midfield, uh, potentially because it, it matched up to Hibs almost like for like. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like Rangers where Hibs have got wingers and wing backs creating that kind of overload. So it was very much a kind of, you know, one v one situation all across the park. And I think it's, I've spoken before, I think, I think there's a lot of merit in the system as far as getting your Barons and your Clarksons into the team. And still providing the coverage for um, Richardson and, and Anthony Stewart at the back. And of course, yeah, it keeps us with that threat um, up front with Miofsky and Duke. And I thought it was a inspired choice because I think it did, if we had maybe gone with one up top, then Hibs, I think perhaps even control more of the ball than they did, mm-hmm. control more territory. I think they always had that concern of the ball over the top to Duke. Yeah, which you know, right. I don't. I don't think Duke necessarily had his his finest game last night, but you could tell that's something that was in the back of their minds. So, because I do feel that in the first half, especially, if they were able to you know uh, press further up the pitch, then you know the game could have become really squeezed in our area, and I think inevitably something would have happened there uh, with us conceding. So, no, I I completely understood why he went for that decision, and yeah, I think it was vindicated in the end. Being honest, first half wasn't great, was it? I mean, Hibs. Yeah dominated ball although yeah. in fairness they were restricted in the main to efforts from outside the box which Calrys did pretty well with I think there was only really the header from Ewan Henderson that I think was an effort from inside the goal uh, from inside the box Kuku uh, Ravich has the free kick effort which I don't think is getting anywhere near if it's on on target but apart from that he knew it was gone <laughs> apart from that not really much to talk about in that first half really but I just felt we were just a little bit lax in our play certainly in the Certainly with the ball at our feet and uh, and probably in the central midfield areas, I thought we were a little bit lax. Um, sloppy is yeah. the term that I'm going to come up with uh, to describe our play with the ball. Um, not not really competitive enough out of possession. I did think that Hibs were, you know, taking the territory a little bit too easily and finding uh, lots of pockets of space in between our midfield and defence especially, uh, which was concerning. Yeah. But like you say, apart, apart from Henderson's header, which, you know, Roos should save, and he did. 
did do well. A couple of crosses that Roos came for, which yes, I'm, I'm pleased with. I felt his decision to chase the ball to the left corner of his penalty box and punch the ball over the guy's head was a little bit not advisable. Um, I know that he does win it, but it's one of those where you see someone his size, his stature coming out and kind of wiping the boy out in the process of punching the ball. It's like, well, another referee might have deemed that worthy of a fact look. He, I think the fact he wins the ball means it's... It's one of them, like, yeah, but what do you do to win the ball? Yeah, I think though if, I think you're right. I think if he comes and he tries to do it and he wipes the boy out, it's a, it's a risky move. I think the fact yeah. he does punch the ball clear means the referee's just like, well, he's just bigger and yeah. stronger and that's what's yeah. happened there. But, yeah. but it was the only moment in the game I felt with Russo was a little bit like, there was that um, one or two of his choices with, I mean, I did think, you know, we talked about last week about Hibs and they're, they're pressing high up the pitch and you saw it in evidence, especially in the first half. Um, we need to be a lot smarter with our play out from the back. If yeah. it's going to be a case of the other team, you know, the strikers are camped outside our 18 yard line waiting to press. There's no real point in Kel Roos knocking the ball to Stuart on the six yard line, who then knocks it back to Roos, who then shells it long. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we went a bit more direct in the second half and probably saw benefit from that. I, we did still create some chances. I think Hayden Coulson got some areas. And yeah. uh, Duke's unlucky not to to get the goal. Yeah, the boy clears off the line. But yeah, it was a bit of a, not a nothing game, but I didn't think that we were necessarily in it as much as I would like us to be when we're playing at home. No. And even though the first half wasn't great, our shape was certainly a lot better though than what it had been uh, at Rangers uh, the week prior. I mean, we've got the average position map up again. Again, we'll share this out. It's still not perfect. It's still a little bit... There's still huge gaps between um, our three central defenders, which is a little bit concerning. But at least there's a little bit more balance in terms of where Colson and Richardson are playing um, as opposed to last week where, where Richardson in particular was was so far up the park. It was unbelievable. Um, a little bit of extra gaps now as well th- between... The midfield three, again, last week at Ibrox, they were just so congested, they were basically sitting on top of each other. So if nothing else, there was definitely an improvement in terms of how our shape looked. Yeah, certainly. I think the the, the defenders, Scales and uh, McCrory, as you can see as well, I mean, Stuart's pretty much where you want him to be, you know, in the centre, mopping things up. Um, I think that probably speaks to, as we say, Hibs did try and break down our, our, uh, our, our wings right and left side. And... By and large, I do think that they did get too much space, but I thought that Scales and McCrory actually did a pretty good job as far as kind of marshalling their their wide players. Yeah, I thought it was a lot better this week. And I think, to be fair, I think credit has to go to our wingbacks as well. I think Colson was a, a massive improvement on what McKenzie offered up. And Jaden Richardson, I'm going to say it. Some things still make you want to tear your hair out, but... He, did, he was better. He was better. Defensively, yesterday. I thought he put in a much improved performance i think cred has to be given there absolutely um we can't not talk about it can we um var pitodri's var cherry popped in a pretty spectacular way how did you find it gav because obviously we were at opposite end of the ends of the park yes um, last night so um because i was in corporate in the dick donald uh, we were right up at the back of the of the section as well, basically right up against the wall. So we could kind of see into the TV screens and the boxes behind us to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the shed, like how kind of confusing was everything that was going on up there? So I'm going to say this with the uh, the pretext. This is probably not how I'm always going to feel about VAR. Oh, of course. But I actually found it a little bit exciting. It was like a sense of drama. And the thing with VAR is that when you're on like 
our end of it in that case where it's the decision that needs to be overturned for us. Yeah. The longer it goes on, the more you'd know there's a chance here. And of course, as soon as he, you know, makes the gesture, he's going to go look at the monitor. We've already established that means it's been given. Like referees, yeah. when, they, when, they, when referees go at the screens, that means they're overturning the decision. I think the only referee I've seen, and I don't watch a lot of English football, you know, anymore, so it's hard to see. The only referee I've seen down south is probably the guy, Michael Oliver, who seems to be very... He, he will almost stick to what is on field. Even when he goes to look at the monitor, he'll stick with what he decided on field anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, I must admit, I saw, I mean, on one hand, like it completely kills like the flow of the game and the fact that Pathology, there's no real way of anyone knowing what the fuck's going on doesn't help. Um, I know they've, <laughs> they stuck it up on the the LED boards and I know that um, the announcer was kind of trying to tell people what was going on, but the thing that was quite interesting for us is because where we were sitting, we could see what was happening. So we could see in, in the first incident that the onside was given pretty much straight off the bat. And then the amount of replays that were going around on the on the on the, the, the actual penalty incident itself, the more times you watched it, the more you were like, I think this could be a pen actually. Like mm. and it depends what angle you had as well. Because where we were sitting, I actually thought at the time there was a really good shout for a penalty kick because I felt that from the, the angle from behind the Dick Donald there's definitely more contact on mm -hmm. that angle than there is in the one that I think everyone's seen a lot of. There's no doubt Duke engineers it. <clears throat> I think anybody who tries to pretend otherwise is having a laugh and you're you're probably the most blinkered Aberdeen fan in the world if you could try and pretend he doesn't engineer it. Um, I'd be raging if it's given against us. Um, but you're right. I, I saw some people today talking about, I can't, it was actually, I was driving around there earlier on and was listening to Off the Ball and one of the commentators was saying, VAR makes the game... Like you kind of want to be at home watching it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in the stadium. I was like, I tell you what, yesterday, it was brilliant at the Dick Donald end because like the Hibs fans are giving it big licks about it's not a penalty and then the penalty's, like then it's an offside. You're like, oh, here we go. And this could be a penalty. And then the penalty's given and then it's saved and they're giving it big licks again and effort to be pulled back by VAR for the second time is like, this is amazing. The absolute seed that, that this has generated is well worth the six minutes it took to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I reserve the right to change my opinion when this goes against us in about oh, a week's absolutely. time. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, from from the red shed, just talking about the inc incident itself. I mean, we're so far away, but all you see is Duke, who you know is lightning fast, going around Marshall, who comes out. You see Duke going over, you're like you're instantly calling for the penalty. Um, with the incident itself, I mean. It's been a while since I've seen the Peter Paul at straight leg <laughs> um, pike into the ground. Uh, I did appreciate that. There's definitely contact between there's, there's Marshall's contact. knee and, and Duke's foot. Any Hibs fans trying to make it otherwise is, you know, as deluded as they were about Brian Porteous not putting scales in a headlock uh, yeah. back early in the season. Yeah, likewise, I'd be disappointed if it got given against us, but um, be the bricks and... Uh, when he missed it, after all the after all the <laughs> anticipation, it's like, oh my Christ. I don't really understand how it takes that long though for them to overturn it and be like, Marshall's come off his line. It was like 30, 40 seconds between the save and the play carrying on until the referee's just like, yeah, oh, we've got another That'd chance. Cool. And, the th and the thing is as well, also like, Graham will attest this as well, in the shed, we thought he'd fucked it twice. Oh really? We thought it was going right down Marshall's throat. Uh, I was pretty surprised to hit the back of the net, and then there was that little bit of little bit of afters. I didn't see what happened. Um, I know it's Marshall just kicking the ball away, frustrated, and it hits off Miofsky. Whether he means to do it or not, I don't know. But naturally, I'm just thinking like 
what's Ryan got up to now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, VAR has been such a, a talking point since it's been introduced, and especially when it's been introduced in domestic football, I have a how it, because you're right, it does kill the game, but yeah, it, it created a sense of drama, I'm not going to lie. As a spectacle on it last night, it was kind of exciting. Yeah. I'm not sure I want that to happen every week. Um, I'll take it every week if it goes for us every week. Um, because Graham and I were also chatting like, are they going to go? We didn't really know if we had screens in Scotland. We thought what? it was actually, we actually thought it might just go to like the referees, like the, like the information the he gets in his headpiece. That's, yeah. that's the decision. It is VAR making the decision. I think Hibs fans just need to understand though that the, the ref, it's not a case that, you know, VAR gave the penalty. I know, I know. It's that it, the offside was overturned mm-hmm. because newsflash, Duke wasn't offside. And then they looked at the penalty. So it's, and the referee gave the penalty in the, in the end. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen a lot of people say this, uh, even like actual prop, like proper and in inverted commas journalists today mm-hmm. talk about this, about how, oh, I can't believe the referee overturned his original decision and stuff. And it's like, he didn't because he didn't even make an original decision because the yeah. offside was given. Um, and then, then all that's happened is the VAR has gone, I think there's something to look at on this penalty. You should go and look at it. And he's made, the referee's made the decision. Um, mm-hmm. All in all, um, a pretty spectacular way, like I said, for kind of like the very first introduction of VAR at Pataudry to to come in. It was it was certainly a thing. I mean, for it to stimulate the kind of salty, salty tears that I've seen from <laughs> Hibs Twitter and Kevin Harper, of all people, it's been well worth it. Yeah. Um, has he responded again? Does he keep on posting the dancing emoji? I, I don't know what that's about. I have no idea either. What a, what a weirdo. Anyway, I think if we're honest, the penalty calls really do change the match, don't they? You could see that Hebs had a proper, like, heads gone after it. And we really capitalised the early second half. This is where, I mean, I, I understand that the game changes on the penalty. Of course it does. It's the same as what happened Easter Road. Of course it is, yeah. And I get that, but Hibs fans, if I was a Hibs fan, I thought that is, by the way. Um, If I was a Hibs fan, I'd be, I would look at that game as the same way I looked at a lot of games with Aberdeen under Stephen Glass, where in the first half, you do a lot of good things. And yeah, you go 1-0 down, but you know what? 45 minutes is a long time in a game of football. If they came out and carried on playing the way they did, I'm sure they would have created more problems for us. And if they're a bit more clinical, they'll get a goal. The way they capitulated in the second half is... Yeah. I'd be, I'd consider that very, very worrying if I was a Hibs fan. I'd be looking at that a lot more than whether Luis Lopez is a cheat or not. I'd also be concerned by the fact that I could understand the heads gone thing happening if that happens in like the 20th minute and they can't get into the change room or whatever. Like that happens right in half time. Like I'd be looking at their manager as well, to be honest here, about the mm-hmm. fact that he's not even able to get them to kind of be calmed down a bit and refocus. It was proper heads gone stuff for that that opening 20 25 minutes of that second half Miofsky's second goal great header great header good movement getting away from his marker the ball is it looked from where i was like it was a tiny bit behind him so he had to almost generate quite a lot of power and direction it's a good cross from leighton clarkson as well right into the danger area and yeah great header i'm delighted for Miofsky to get a goal especially from open play yeah, definitely. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's only been two weeks since he had one in open play already, but, you know, he's he's certainly, um, he's, he's quite streaky, I guess, isn't he, is probably the way to look at it. But again, I thought last night, it's the first time I've had a chance to watch us from the kind of angle I was at last night, a little bit higher up. Um, 
and be able just to get that kind of view. And I thought Miofsky did a real power of work actually yesterday in terms of just his overall movement, the way that he takes players away when he when he does make that movement. There's a lot mm-hmm. of hard effort going in there, which is not always seen. He's not always scoring goals. He's not always getting, you know, his uh, his his foot on the ball or whatever. But it was it was good. I, I thought his performance last night overall was good from Miofsky. And yeah, you're right. Getting another couple of goals is always. Always going no. to be good. Um, I puts him on to 11 for the season, which is well on course for that 25 kind of target that you're looking for from your number nine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Miofsky as well. I mean, I think that's, well, how many did you say there? Sorry, 11 11 in total. So he's 10, I think, in the league, isn't he? Um, um, he would have scored against Wraith in the Cup. And I don't think he scored against, he didn't score against Park, did he? No, he didn't. So he's uh, 10. I don't think, and I don't think he scored against Annan, so yeah, it would be 10 in the league. So it's 10 in the league. Um, it was his 13th league game last night, which I think puts him up there as being the quickest AFC striker, certainly in the modern era anyway, or say the modern era, kind of like from Joey Harper or Drew Jarvin onwards, the quickest to 10 league goals ever. Um, Duncan Shearer, I think, made it in 15. Um yeah, so that's the right, I'm surprised. It seemed like Adam Rooney scored a ton of goals early doors. Adam Rooney took 22 starts. Really? Some sub appearances to get to 10 league goals. I'm surprised yeah. by that. Um, so there we go. But that's also a, um, that, 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 that's a good sign, isn't it? You know, 10 league goals already, 13 starts in the league. That is, that is impressive stuff from me, obviously. I know, I know a chunk of those are coming from penalty kicks, but let's, let's be honest, we'll, we'll take the goals where they come. Um, you were in the shed, Gav. Yes. The reaction when Elba Ramadani gets his first goal. So delighted for him to get one. And I'm so, so delighted it happened at that end as well. I think coming from, because it came from a corner, didn't it? The, yeah. The opportunity. The cleared, yeah. It all kind of happened in such a rush. I don't know necessarily we all realised it was Ramadani that hit the ball until, you know, I, I think it takes a deflection uh, on its way past Marshall. You see the ball hit the net and then you kind of look up and you see Ilber running to you like a, like a bull, as if you're a matador is coming at you, that, that fast, that intense. Um, incredible scenes. I think it's one of those goals where it's like when Duke scored his first goal. Yeah. The goal is important because the third goal kills the game completely. Uh, for it to be Ilwa Ramadani, who is just such a, a cult of personality almost, he is um, so well thought of. And yeah, it was, it was Bedlam. It was Bedlam in the red shed, both from ourselves and the players who... Not was just Ilber, everyone going absolutely bananas. Um, it does, it does bring up that question. I've always, con- I've always been confused by this as well. And someone raised it: Why is it only the goal scorer that gets the yellow card in that situation? I, th- I think because otherwise the ref would be there. You'd have about I don't know how many yellow cards in a game. There's about nine yellow cards in that situation of the if the letter <laughs> of the law is implemented it, it is an interesting dilemma um, like to... or, or an interesting not a dilemma an interesting question about yes. that. Um, i presume it's i my theory is that it's, in that case is the goalster who instigates yeah i think that's the player is going into the crowd so therefore he's the one that's punished but uh, yeah. um i i get the emotion but i have noticed that some of our players have done that quite a lot this season <laughs> and it is a bit of a stupid yellow card to give away Time and time again, especially when you're in Neil Baramani's position where tackles are going to be going in quite frequently. So on this one occasion, being his first goal, I'll allow it. But I'll allow it. <laughs> I, I kind of think we maybe need to start exercising a little bit more um, 
caution in our celebration because i can't help feel this is going to come back to bite us eventually <laughs> yeah uh, you're probably not wrong about that i imagine um let's be honest how much fun was it to have ryan portius have an absolute stinker of a game yesterday um played duke on side for the opener stunk the joint out for most of the game at fault twice for the fourth goal great stuff i cannot get enough of extremely limited players who think they're the bollocks and play like they are like when he hits the shot from 50 yards <laughs> amazing after the first goal i was like yeah. mate seriously try to pop the ball around you know try to hit those diagonals but when it comes down to it i mean this was also I, okay one thing i picked up on that was a negative for my money when Hibbs ever had the long throw-in from Newell. Yeah. So when, when it was a corner, Anthony Stewart marked Porteous, which I think was a good move. I think it was a good move to take scales out of that battle, just mm-hmm. for the pure psychological aspect of it. And Stewart's probably a more physical player than, than scales is. Yeah. But whenever Newell put a long throw-in, and he was usually hitting the six-yard box at the very least, Leighton Clarkson was marking Ryan Porteous. <laughs> Yes, that's right. All four foot eleven of Leighton Clarkson, which I thought was a peculiar tactic. So I would maybe um, advise against that in the future. Using Leighton Clarkson for any kind of marking at set pieces, but great. Uh, that's my nigga. But yeah, I mean, his purchase that is efforts at the fourth goal are truly spectacular. They're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant across the board. Um, I, I do enjoy the fact he just stunk the joint out all game last night. I think the fact that you know he has a, a decent forty-five minutes for Scotland, and and people suddenly start thinking he's the second coming of like Franco Baresi and stuff like that is just hilarious. An incredibly limited footballer, um, being found out over and over again is something to behold. Um, I, I look forward to when he moves to Rangers next season. <laughs> I'm not sure I see that one happening. Do you know? Honest. Well, did you see the interview you did on with the BBC? Mm, no. The question was, "What's your favourite ground you've ever played at?" And he said, "I Ibrox. said Ibrox." Yeah. No, you don't say that unless you're a closet Rangers fan. Oh, that's true. That and I mean, true. he's he's got all the credentials to look very, very fitting in the in the royal blue of Sevco Five Hundred Eight Limited. So I can't yeah. wait for that to happen and Hibs fans to be looking back at the. The hill they were prepared to die on being this guy when he jacks in for Rangers in the summer. That would be pretty funny, to be fair. Um, on the fourth goal itself, again, though, great invention by Leighton Clarkson to actually score it. Because I thought he'd overrun it. I thought he'd be in a meal of it. Um, but the adjustment to, to back heel it, and then to find the bottom corner, when it's easier in that situation, just to kind of, you try to just get anything on it and it ends up just going down Portius's throat, who's on the line. Brilliant stuff. I mean, take it back two steps further. It's a great little bit of play by Connor Barron it to is. release uh, Marley Watkins. Yeah, Marley Watkins came on. Um, Marley Watkins has been a very much a bit part player yep. this season so far, but I think he showed the quality that he has and what he can potentially offer to us off the bench. That was a very good 15, 20 minutes from Marley Watkins. It's um, Some people said it's a perfect pass. I wouldn't say that because I do think Portis should be able to take care of it but he just decides to go Declan Gallagher on us and let the ball run across him for Clarkson in the um in the red jet it looked to me like he'd had like a little dink mm. of the ball over uh, Marshall's leg when you know it would be so easy for him to just you know smash that and potentially might even go into Marshall's chest or whatever 
to have the composure and the the wherewithal and the the game intelligence to just loft over the keeper there and then like you say ball almost gets lost under his feet um great little bit of innovation obviously he's been watching duke in training and uh yeah it just it settled everything back down again after hibbs got that goal back and i thought you know what leighton clarkson i thought he had a, a good game um not sure i would go along with man of the match as given by the the, the match sponsors yeah, I, thought I thought he tried to make things choice. happen, and I thought that he maybe wasn't, you know, completely effective in this role, but I thought that he chased things down and at the very least tried to do his bit um, defensively or when we were without, without the ball last night. Um, mm-hmm. So given that we were told that that was part of the game, that he wouldn't be necessarily uh, relishing, I think it showed that he is, you know, growing and growing and learning more and more about Scottish football with um, every passing game. So, yeah, delighted for him as well. On the whole, I mean, it was hard not to be better than last week because last week was so bad. Um, still, some warning signs in there though. A little bit last night in the performance when you kind of take it when you it's it's hard to be critical of a four-one home win, um, but there were still some bits in there that just weren't weren't quite right i think we've got the bones really of a really good team here i think potentially it's certainly going forward anyway we're very very threatening in the attacking areas and about as about as threatening as i can remember an aberdeen team probably since like the 92 93 season where we where you look like you've kind of got goals coming from potentially all over the park um, and certainly in your kind of front areas anyway um but there's just still something nagging away at me a little bit about that performance last night. And I don't know if it's just Anthony Stewart, who I'm going to come on to in a minute. I can see you've got your notebook out, Gavin. So, Oh, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts just around the general performance? And Yeah, like like I said, the, the first half was, you know, I felt that we were, it almost felt we were sitting off Hibs a little bit too much for my liking. Um, and yeah, it was not, it was not a pretty first half at all. I did think that we grew and grew into the game um, once we got the lead. Um, but yeah, I can fully understand and recognize that we're far, far away from being the finished product. But I mean, at the risk of this being gimmick infringement, I have crunched some numbers Ooh. to uh, to compare where we are uh, this season in comparison to where we were at this point last season. We've scored 27 goals in the league so far. After 13 games, we scored 41 in total last season. We're seven goals better off than Hearts who are the closest behind us in that metric currently. Uh, seven league wins in 13. We won 10 league games last season, all in. Home form of five wins and one defeat to Motherwell. So, yeah. And then, of course, you rattle off. You know, there's two away wins, a draw, and four pretty disappointing defeats. I think we'd have to be honest about that. Yeah. In comparison, last year, we scored 14 goals in 13 league games. So there's still a lot of work to be done. I think the manager needs a lot of support in January to start addressing particularly the defensive area. Yeah. I think when we lose these games in such a disappointing manner, as we did at Tannadice, Easter Road, Ibrox, it's very easy to start looking and catastrophizing things. Yeah, I'd be much more concerned about things if I saw no improvement whatsoever. I think you can tell we are becoming a much more threatening side. The statistics lay that. Yeah, that's, that's clear from the numbers. I mean, if we carry on that kind of rate, we'll score roughly 90 goals by the end of the season, which I would love to know when last time Aberdeen, that's probably 92, 93. It'd be 92, 93, I imagine, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we do need to, in these kind of games, 
do more, I think, to control the midfield. I think that's an area we're getting overrun quite dramatically. And that's I think that's where it comes into the point of what we do in January to improve both the defense and the and the midfield as far as presence, especially. Yeah, I think that's the obvious. It's the obvious area, isn't it? Is 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 the, is the defense in particular? I think, um, which is still causing the concerns. I think we still need to try and find the right balance in that central area of the park. There were times yesterday again we spoke about it after the game at Ibrox where I felt that Ramadan in particular was being exposed a little bit because of. I don't think Clarkson and Barron neither neither of their game is really like as a kind of sitting holding midfield player. I don't think, and I still have a concern about. I, th- I think that from a physical perspective they can kind of get overrun quite easily by teams who decide to set up that way the, the positive about them being in the team though of course is if you get the ball down then you've got players who can who can play and who can play their way around teams who decide to be physical it's try to win that physical battle first there were times yes they felt that Ramadani was having to do a powder work on behalf of like almost do two people's work sometimes three people's work from a defensive perspective um and I'm not sure that that's sustainable um, going forward from, from his perspective um, it's the defence though that again it still gives me the fear I mean let's talk about Anthony Stewart really quickly here because I thought yesterday we saw the really really good stuff from Anthony Stewart and I felt we saw the really really, really not so good stuff yeah um, from my perspective I thought he was immense at defending yesterday it felt like he won all of his headers. He was always in the right place at the right time over and over again in the box to win headers, clear crosses, etc. I think he did that part of the game brilliantly yesterday. And there were times in the second half a couple of balls got thrown in the box and every time it came in, Stuart was just in the exactly right place at the right time just to smash it away. Exactly what, what you want a defender to be doing. But with the ball at his feet in possession... Oh my God, it was so bad. There was one moment in the second half, I don't know if you would have been able to see it as well as we could from from the end we were at. He had so long, he was facing backwards to his own goal. He had so long to play a pass back to, to Kel Roos and so much time and there was no one really hassling him. And for some reason, he decided to kind of turn in on himself, miscontrolled it, the ball just trickled out for a throw in. And it's like, why are you even trying to make this difficult for yourself? I do not understand this at all. It does feel to me that like he just has to be told, just defend. That's all you need to do. Just defend. I mean, first of all, I agree largely with the point that he did his defensive work pretty well. I did think there were still occasions where, you know, headers find their way to opposition players quite routinely. I found that some of his clearances are a little bit, you know, don't have the, the kind of power to really clear the danger. They do tend to just sort of find themselves to players, opposition players in dangerous areas but you know especially in the second half it seemed like when Hibs were trying to be a little more direct and get the ball into our box no matter where it is no matter where Anthony Stewart is he seems to always be the one that gets the header mm-hmm. away so yeah that part yeah last night I mean no real no real concerns but I mean I did I definitely did see the um okay you did see it the, the lead up to because of the balls going out towards the main stand touchline and all he needs to do is wrap his left foot around the ball and pass it back to Kelrus and we start again and then yeah he just chops onto his right foot and I don't know if he thought it was a goals and he thought the wall was going to assist him uh, <laughs> but I, I, I can't <laughs> I can't really wrap my head around professional footballers who in my mind I assume play football and practice roughly every day 
<laughs> who simply cannot use their weaker foot. Yeah. That's that to me is just either says you just haven't bothered practicing. Actually, that's all it says to me. That's that to me is pretty inexcusable. I mean, the way we're playing with this back three, it's let's be honest, it's mostly there probably to hide Anthony Stewart's weaknesses. And if that's the way we're gonna change our play to you know to become this three at the back kind of team, that's fine. Um it does mean we've wasted quite a lot of money in the summer on a whole wingers. bunch of wingers that do no longer <laughs> fit into that system. Yeah. Um if we're gonna then if in time when players come back in or if we like reevaluate things in January or the summer um next next summer, I'm not sure I'd be overly comfortable with Anthony Stewart being one part of that uh, that back that center back pairing because if we are going to be a team that play it from the back, it's just he's he's so limited. It's it's painful. Like some of his distribution last night in the first half as well. You know, I mean, I, I, do I feel for him in some ways because I don't think like the likes of Ramadani and the midfields. I don't think they were really showing for him, so that makes it harder. But the choices you've got to make in that situation, like can't just be putting these aimless punts up the channel. Yeah to the likes of Richardson or whatever. And yeah, that yeah. was happening all too often. Um, concerns still there. Uh, it depends how we're going to go forward, really. Um, it does feel weird to be criticizing a defender who by and large defended pretty well, but but some of the football he's attempted. I think Tony Watt like laid a, bl- a blueprint for how to play at this church, which is quite often just give him time. Yeah. And he'll make an arse of it himself. And then that did put... Because, you know, that that ball ended up on, like, our kind of, like, 18-yard line. That could have easily created a chance for Hibs to, to get a goal and get back into the game. Um, it's It doesn't, like, it was inconsequential because nothing happened. But, you know. I'd rather that we weren't providing those opportunities. Yeah, when though. opposition can, like, know there's this really, really obvious weak link in your team when you're, when the opposition are out of possession, it's, yeah. They're going to capitalize on that eventually. Dundee United did at Tannadice. Exactly, exactly. Um, Kel Roos, I thought it was probably his best game for Aberdeen so far last night. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I've got really nothing else to say. I thought Kel Roos was very good. There's not much else to say, is there? I think he did everything he had to do last night, did it well. With the exception, again, of one really terrible pass. Um, that <laughs> It was in this first half. He just, was it Richardson he was trying to play in? Yes, and he just was. shelled it out for a goal kick to Hibbs. Um, yes. That aside, did his work, made saves when he needed to, and I wouldn't call him commanding, but I saw a lot more aggression, aggression and intent to command yeah. his penalty area. Uh, no chance with the goal. Um, yeah, good day at the office for Calrus. Excellent. Topped on for you last night, Gav. I found it really it's hard. hard. I felt, like I said, I didn't. I thought it was a really. I didn't think it was a great. I didn't think it was that great. Good a game actually. It was kind of like Park Thistle, where like we've come away with a win. And that's great and everything, but I don't think there was a standout Aberdeen player at all. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, after some reflection, I'm going to go down the route of a match day sponsor. And Bojan Miofsky scored the first two goals. So, man of the match, Aberdeen's number nine, Bojan Miofsky. Lovely stuff. I know you put it out to the, the solar system earlier on, and then I think there's just so many different views on that. It probably says exactly what you've just summed up there as well. That I don't think it was a standout candidate from the from the game yesterday i'm gonna go ahead and give it a joint award to um 
Miofsky, because I thought I thought Miofsky was really really good in the main yesterday. Um, thought I took a bit of nuts as well to step back up and 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 slot away the second penalty. Um, I don't think you're allowed. I don't. Think, I think he had to. I don't think you can change. You can't change your penalty taker. I don't. If it's a retake, I don't think you can. Okay, interesting. Um, but he still put it away. Still put it away. Um, I put it away well. In fairness to him, it was a good. Like it was the, a good penalty. In the red shed, we were so certain the keeper <laughs> had saved it. Um, and I, I'm, someone did point out that last night is kind of like the inverse of the Serbia Scotland David absolutely. Marshall meme. Yeah, it's not the. Yeah, it's the. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Oh dear. Oh well. Um, a joint award between Miofsky and I'm. I'm going to give it to Kel Roos as well because I think we've given Kel Roos a bit of stick on here up until now and deservedly so um, yep. I think it's been big question marks but I thought that last night was was good and again it feels a bit weird to be giving your goalkeeper a man of the match award on after we've won the game 4-1 but I thought he did what he needed to do well um, was did what he was required to do when he was called upon actually you know I'm going to change my mind oh dear uh-huh. top Don Jim Goodwin <laughs> also what's been quite funny today is the number of Hibs fans seething about Jim Goodwin's positioning that is the exact reason I'm giving Jim, giving Which Jim Goodwin top down. Also, kind of amusing. Anyway, never mind. Shall we move on? Shall we move on? Indeed. Um, news from Pataudry and Cormac Park this week. Little really to report from AB24 other than the chat about our new link up in inverted commas with Molson Coors, which has now seen the main hospitality lounge in the RDS christened the Madry Lounge. Um, all I can say is, uh, terrible, terrible beer. Uh, it would be much, much better to see us partner up with a local brewery for this. I've got nothing else to say on this. I've said it all already on Twitter, I think, about this. You, you have, yes. So, um, shall we just move on from that? Indeed, I have no feelings about Madry. No feelings at all? I don't think I've ever drunk it. It's awful. I don't I think I've ever it drank night, it. Drunk it? Drank it? It's not good. Not good. I don't think I've ever consumed it. I did end up drinking tenants at the fan zone, which is... Oh, dear. Uh, a shock to the system. That's two more pints of tennis than I've had in the last three years. <laughs> Grim. Out of a plastic glass as well. Just what you want. Which means we can move on to Lone Watch. Con McQuennan off the bench for the final 11 minutes as St Johnston saw off Sevco 5088 Limited by two goals to one at McDermott Park on Sunday. Kieran Nguyenia, another 90 minutes under his belt as Wraith beat Hamilton three goals to one in the championship. Mason Hancock came off the bench for the final 12 minutes as our Broth picked up a 1-1 draw at Inverness Cali Thistle. Evan Towler not in the squad for Cove's 2-0 win over Queen's Park on Friday evening. Tom Ritchie, full 90 again for him as Peterhead went down by three goals to nil at Montrose in League One. Kevin Hanratty, an unused sub in Forfer's 4-1 defeat at Station Park to Annan in League 2, which leaves the Loons bottom of the table. Well done me for picking them as my pick for League 2 this season. And Dean Campbell, a first start in a while for Dino at Stevenage, and he lasted to the 68th minute as Stevenage eventually saw off Gateshead by three goals to two in the FA Cup. On to the young team. Great win for the young team on Friday evening as they thumped League leaders Hamilton Ackes by six goals to nil at Cormac Park. A fine header from Liam Harvey opening the scoring in 11 minutes before Alfie Babbage got his first of the game just three minutes later, rounding Ackes keeper Murray before slotting home. Elmsley nearly joined the scoring on 17 minutes before the third did arrive on 27. A lovely sliding tackle by captain Dylan Lobbin robbing the Hamilton defence. Lobbin robbing, that is not a easy thing to put together, never mind. 
Robin robbing the Hamilton defence and his tackle fell nicely for Bavage, who finished well. Just after the half-hour mark, it was four. Brendan Hamilton's looping cross coming off the right-hand post and in. Still time for Alfie Bavage to complete his fifth hat-trick of the season on 38 minutes as he brilliantly found space from the covering Hamilton defender and finished powerfully beyond money. Into the second half then, the Dons... Finally made it six on 55 minutes. Bavage, the provider this time, is his cross ball headed home by Emsley. That's how it ended. 6-0, the Dons. Next up, a trip to Motherwell. It's always Motherwell. Why do we always seem to be playing Motherwell? Um, who knows, on the 18th of November. No game this week for the women's team. Uh, they've got a few weeks up, a few weeks off even. Next up for them is a trip to Motherwell on Sunday the 20th of November. Of course and that, it is. Yeah, it's Motherwell, obviously. And that, of course, wraps up this Part one, I think, Gav, of, of this first episode of the week of the ABZ Football Podcast. Dylan, Lobin, Robbing, Aryan, Robin. I think we've got a new tongue go. twister. Nice. Try that after a couple of pints of Madry. <laughs> Join us on the other side as we'll preview Tuesday's trip to the Tony Macaroni as we look to find a third win of the season on the road. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And yes, it's that time of the year where we need to talk about Christmas. Book your Christmas night out at Siberia Bar and Hotel, who are offering area hire, buffet platters and a welcome drink for as little as £30 per person. And it all kicks off from the 1st of November. Book early to avoid disappointment contact scott at siberia-aberdeen.com that's scott at siberia-aberdeen.com for more details welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast and before we move on to our preview of our trip to Livingston on Tuesday night we just want to give a shout out to those of you who have provided contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week and um, we see you your brain's appreciated if you'd like to help us keep fueled in our beers or coffees please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast the link is in the description shout us a beer or a coffee it's much appreciated yeah those prawn sandwiches don't pay for themselves Absolutely don't. I have you updated the spreadsheet on the the, the Gothenburg thing, Gav? Not, not um right not this week, but it's pretty up to date. I've not done mine in ages. I will update it, I promise, for um the second episode this week. I promise. I am if I'm not mistaken, I am I have just over fourteen hundred kilometers left to go. Okay, we're getting there. You're doing all right. You're doing okay. Yeah. But Graham Steele is undoubtedly just running Cheating. away with this. I mean metaphorically and literally. What's he on now? Where, how far has he got? According to his most recent update, he has now just got just over a thousand kilometers to go. Hmm, nice. Good stuff. Um, now, we had a, a really good response to our first installment of My Favourite Game with Duncan Shearer. Um, and as we kind of touched on last week, we're going to get a mixture of, you know, fans, listeners, ex-players, managers, etc. on to the show to talk about their favourite Aberdeen. We've already recorded another one in the meantime, and we'll get that out maybe over the next couple of weeks. Um but if you'd like to get involved, um, we've got a few people who've already emailed us and have, um, or or tweeted us or direct messaged us um, with their choices. We'll get them all lined up and get these recorded as soon as we can. But if you'd like to get involved, please hit us up on Twitter um, at ABZ Podcast. 
our DMs are open, aren't they, Gav? They're open all the time. Um, or you can just drop us an email at abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com with just drop us a line with what game you would pick, maybe a little note about why you've picked it. And honestly, that could be for any reason. It can be your first game, something silly about that game, something might be sentimental about it, whatever. I mean, to be honest, we don't really want to hear too much about like Gothenburg or Bayern Munich 83 or even Bayern Munich 2008 because these are all too obvious. Um, no, I'm, I'm well up for someone coming on and telling us why a nil-nil draw away with Livingston where we just sung the Leon Mike song for an entire half is their favourite game. Exactly. That's what we're all about. So that said... I think what I would just say there is don't message us on Facebook because that always just flies under the radar. Yeah, don't do that. We, we don't check it. Anyway, um, but that said, you, you just talked about a nil-nil draw at Amiville, Gavin. So that seems like a fitting place to turn our attention to Tuesday night. Almost if it was intentional. <laughs> and our first trip to West Lothian since our 2-1 defeat there in February, which was up there, I think, with being one of the worst performances we had under Stephen Glass, I would suggest. It comes right at the tail end of his um, time in charge of Aberdeen as well. I think the uh, the writing was on the wall. I think it's probably fair to say it probably was. So Livingston coming into this one on Tuesday night into after so, a good win at Rugby Park on Friday night as well. A good uh, 3-2. Um, at Rugby Park they came from behind twice in that one ex-Don Bruce Anderson amongst the goals kudos as well has to go to the Livingston the official Livingston um, Twitter feed for their use of Chapman graphics last night top work great stuff more of that please Livy they're having a pretty good season so far to be fair they're only three points off of us in third at the moment a record of played 13-1-6 drawn one lost six a thumping 5-0 win for the Dons in the reverse fixture earlier in the season, but that was perhaps what we call it fortuitous. Gav, no, we, we are no, we earned that red card. Yeah, L- Livy were probably the better team up until Fitzwater gets sent off. I would suggest. I thought Livy were doing all right. Um, from my recollections of that game, I would say that if Livingston had a penalty box striker, we could have found ourselves in some bother. Yes, and yeah. now they've got that in in Bruce Anderson. So I think we're going to need a an improved first half performance at the very least in this game. Absolutely. In terms of their hashtag data, uh, they've got 12 goals in the league so far in their 13 games, which matches up pretty well or pretty much spot on, in fact, with their expected goals of 12.1 for the season. So it's satisfying. Satisfying. You like to see that. Just That's just bob on. Um, seven of those goals coming from open play with an open play expected goals of 7.1. So they're doing all right there. And... Three from set plays against a set play expected goals of 3.4. So they're pretty much just, where did the other two come from? Uh, a penalty and an own goal. Danger men coming forward are Christian Montana, which is quite a funny thing to say for a left back, but he's their joint top scorer with Joel Newbley um, on three apiece. And then Bruce Anderson, um, he's got two now for the season after coming back into the, the team on Friday night. Defensively, they're kind of middle of the road and middle of the table in terms of goals conceded per match, 1.4. Um, although that number is probably skewed a little bit by the five that they did concede to us. Four clean sheets so far this season. So far, that's one better than than, than we have. In terms of style of play, uh, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone because let's be honest, we all know what we're going to get with Livingston. More than happy to give up possession. They're second bottom in the league for possession. They average only 40.3%. Only St. Mirren have got, St. Mirren have got like 37% possession across the season so far well you've got to remember that it's almost unfair for them to have more possession than the opposition 
Oh, true. I forgot about this. Yes. Yeah. It's it's all coming up Stephen Robinson, isn't it? It turns out he was right. It is indeed. How are they doing now? They're fourth, I think. I mean, they're drawing 1-1 just now at the moment at Dingwall, as we currently record. Yeah, it's um, a little bit funny recording as like live football is going on. Yeah. Heaven help the people at Dingwall today, because John Beaton's the ref and Willie Collins the VAR for that one. Got Celtic 2-1 up on Dundee United. And yes, 1-1 at the Global Energy Complex. <laughs> the Global Energy Arena. Uh, they are, yeah, St. Mary and Curly, fifth of the league. Yeah, so they're doing all right. They're doing okay. Um, where were we? Yes, Livingston. Uh, also, happy to kind of cede control of the pitch from a territorial perspective. You can see there are zones of control graphic there, Gavin. Um, <laughs> I can indeed, yep. Uh, well, again, we'll tweet that out uh, alongside the episode when it goes out at ABZ Podcast if you want to see it yourself. As you can see, the red blocks are the ones that the opposing team on average has 50% or more of the touches in. The blue boxes are the ones that Livingston are controlling and the grey ones are where it's contested. So as you can see, they're pretty much just happy to let everybody have the pitch. That's That one stray grey box is... Interesting. <laughs> intriguing, I was going to say. Yeah. Yes. Just that one, that singular block there on the... In Jaden Richardson's area is where that will be, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that's where Jason Holt's like wandering off into. <laughs> um. When they do get the ball, shock, they're looking to move the ball up the park quickly um, with the lowest number of passes per sequence in the division of 2.02. So um, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to guess what's happening here. They've only put together 27 sequences of 10 or more passes in their 13 league games so far. So again, I can't say if that's more than I'd expect. That's like two per game. It's not even that. Actually, yeah, there's what I'm on about. Sorry, I can't do I can't do maths. Um, that's 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 probably roughly roughly on par. I can't decide if that seems right or wrong. Like, I, I, part of me thinks two seems like a lot for Livingston to be doing. Anyway, never mind. They're also not pressing you very hard. They've got the third lowest PPDA passes per defensive action. Of course, thank you, Gavin. Fourteen point one. Third lowest in the league, so they're not pressing you um, at all. Uh, it's exactly what you'd expect Livingston to be doing. Um, they'll sit in, they'll give up the ball, and they'll basically ask us to break them down. 4-3-1-2 is the way they went against Kilmarnock. And this could be intriguing, because if they do decide to go this way against us, that'll be an interesting watch to see how the dynamic between 3-5-2 against a 4-3-1-2 will work, mm -hmm. because that could cause us some challenges. It could do. Um, right now, I think any formation that we line up in will cause us some kind of challenges, regardless of what the opposition do. <laughs> but um, yeah, like like I said, I think it. I think at um, in the game, Pataudry, off the top of my head, Nubley led the line. He did. Yeah, I think as kind of almost a lone striker. Yeah, with supporting runners. This time they do have the um, the kind of big man, little man dynamic of Nubley and Bruce Anderson. Yeah. And we've seen enough that Bruce Anderson has a grudge, perhaps against Aberdeen for some reason, um, and he seems to like really get himself involved in these games. And I'm sure he'll be delighted again to get a, his name on the goal sheet. So um, it's going to be a game that our defenders are going to have to, you know, probably as far as defending our box goes, match the kind of levels we did get. I think we did defend when we needed to. Yeah, pretty I think well. So. Yeah, I thought we did. But okay. you do want to you now, you know, cut the supply off as much as you can as well. And yeah, I think we just need to hopefully 
couple against Livingston side that are going to play in the way the data would suggest they're going to. If we have, you know, can get Clarkson and Barron on the ball, then I think we've got more than enough to hurt Livingston. So it probably depends because I, I, I think four, four, three, one, two seems like a very attacking and ambitious formation for Livingston to have gone to Kilmarnock with. And I don't know if that's because they've looked at games and they've gone, Kilmarnock are terrible. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, do they line up that way against us, for example? You know, I'd find it. I'd be surprised if they went four at the back against us if we decide to play with two up top because they're going 2v2 then mm-hmm. from a defense perspective. And, and Martin Dale doesn't strike me as being the kind of manager that will do that. He will probably more likely switch to three, I would think, against us, I would imagine. I'm trying to remember. Did they go four? I think that's four at the back at Pataudry. Yeah, but we were playing four, two, three, one at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I we're we're clearly in the three five two mode at the moment. I can't see Martin Dale setting his team up with a four unless they play with a holding midfielder in there to try and sit between the two. Well yeah, that's probably where they'd have like the likes of an Omionga in there to kind of There are no matches for that in your order history. To view your past purchases, go to your order button. Alexa, stop. <laughs> that was uh well, that was a that was a nice well Omionga triggers my Alexa, as it turns out. Yeah. Omionga's um, not been playing very much recently. He's not. He was a very highly thought of player at Livingston. Um, unless they have someone in there that can perhaps like drop in to almost create a three at the back when they need to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think pragmatism is you know the name of the game when it comes to Livingston and David Martindale. So yeah, I'd be surprised if they went, as you say, if they matched up man for man, especially against someone like Duke. I mean, you saw what he did to their defense when he came on earlier in the season. Um, yeah. I'm sure they'll they'll be aware of that and they'll be making plans to stifle us wherever they can. Indeed, I guess that um, that's our thoughts, isn't it? I mean, that that's only what we can look at when we look at the numbers and everything. And like I say, I think it's one of these interesting games where you can look at the numbers, you can look at the data, and it really marries up with exactly what you're probably expecting at Livingston. It's very rare that this sometimes happens. You look at certain teams and you can. You can see little things in the data that looks a little bit different or they're a little bit um, intriguing. There's not very much about that, about the way that Livingston are setting up at the moment or, and that their numbers are showing. So that's our view anyway. Um, but as always, we like to try and get the view of uh, those people who watch our upcoming opponents on a much more frequent basis. So to get the download on Livingston, um, how they're getting on, how, how the fans are kind of viewing the season so far, we decided we'd catch up with Owen. From our good friends over at the Almond View podcast. The tiny little podcast army they've got over at the Almond View podcast. They do, they do. I think, does does Owen complete the set for us now? I assume there's like more lurking in the background. (laughs) Anyway, Liam's just like calling the shots at Livingston these days, so I'm sure he's got no time for doing podcasts. This is is true. Anyway, this is Owen from the Almond View podcast to talk about Livingston. Owen from the Armour View podcast. Welcome to the ABZ. How's it going, mate? Ah, very well, man. Very well. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm delighted. I feel like the collector. We were just talking before <laughs> we came on. I think that's us completed the set of the Armour View. I think View so. Boys. Yeah, yeah. I think you've had. Uh, I think you've had everyone, everyone except me, and I, and I'm the worst one. So, <laughs> draw the short straw this weekend. <laughs> nah, Bevan. <laughs> oh, good man. Listen, let's have a quick chat about um, Tuesday night at the Tony Mac. Um, yeah. The clash of the titans in the SPFL Premiership. Indeed, indeed. Obviously, Livy coming off a good win on Friday night. Both teams enjoying Friday night football on, on yeah. Friday. 3-2 uh, win for 
Livingston at Kilmarnock. Bruce Anderson back amongst the goals as well. The oh. mad shagger that he is. Um, <laughs> and you boys are having a, a pretty decent season actually so far. It's fair to say. Played thirteen, won six, drawn one, lost six. Must be pretty happy with how things are going so far. Uh, definitely, I think we've we've definitely won more uh, more games than than certainly I thought that we would. Um, I mean, just carrying on our kind of good good performances that, that, that we just kind of seem to keep pulling out. Which is brilliant, you know. I mean, getting getting that early season win against Hibs was was kind of a was kind of a catalyst, um, and then managing to battle back from you know from well equalising twice and then getting getting the winner on Friday um, put put us really uh, in a in a good stead for 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 Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, but we certainly. Certainly could have. I mean, we're. I think we're. We're all sort of sitting here, a little bit fizzing about the result at Ibrox. Like we really should have won that game. Yeah, I think you probably uh, should have. Yeah, I think. I think the, the the red card was definitely a turning point uh, in that game. I don't think that we would have lost that kind of last minute goal had we still had eleven men on the park. And technically, we were actually in theory we were technically down to nine men for that one because Curtis Guthrie had like fractured his foot or something like that. So he couldn't defend. They basically just left him up the other end of the park. So, um, but no, without a doubt, I mean, the, the results have been cracking so far this year. Um, just carrying on our sort of usual form of, you know, tend to grind out results against teams that we shouldn't be getting results against and losing against teams <laughs> that we should be beating. <laughs> uh, well, on paper that we should be absolutely it's, it's been an interesting season for you boys because i think when we spoke to oh god i can't remember who it was we spoke to before the game early in the season uh povey i think Povey, Povey came yeah, on right. yeah yeah um it was an interesting close season for livy because i always associate livy certainly in recent years as being a team where it's like a revolving door every summer who it's like almost like a, a brand new squad arrives but somehow they get put into a squad that can and a, a team that can really hurt teams and are very compact and make it very difficult for teams but this season it's quite a settled squad from how you finished up last season there's a lot of the same boys in there so they know exactly what you're up to martin dale's got them all well drilled seems like a really really good kind of team spit i've seen some of the clips and everything that were done before the it was before the rangers game was it the yeah the, the kind of behind the scenes kind of thing going on jake that's helped this season coming in, just not having that season of complete transition and having a relatively settled squad and kind of kicking on. I mean, obviously you finished, did you finish top six last season or you just missed <laughs> out? Just missed out. We just missed out. Uh, last last minute equaliser from Motherwell. Motherwell. From right. uh, Ricky Lammy of all Ricky people. Lammy. That's right. Ricky Lammy of all people. Um, but do you think that's helped you a bit this season? There has been that level of consistency. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in defence, you know, like when we came into this season, uh, the back four was pretty much we knew what back four was going to be playing. You know, you knew it was going to be Nicky Devlin, uh, Jack Fitzwater, Io Obelai, and one of either um, James Penrice, Jackson Longridge, or Christian Montano. And it seems as though Christian Montano seems to be getting the um, getting the selection. I think Penrice, he's kind of been injured. Uh, for quite a bit of it but I think I think as well the, the summer could have been a lot worse for us in a way because you know you had uh, like Max Stryek being like the move away who of course ended up leaving anyway um, but I think the biggest one for us was Jack Fitzwater Jack Fitzwater has been linked with clubs since last summer um, so the fact that we managed to keep a hold of him and I think there's been a kind of element to Fitzwater's um, 
like man management in a way because he got obviously sent off at Pataudry. Yeah. And so he got sent off against uh, Aberdeen and didn't play again until Rangers, until Ibrox. Okay. That, was, okay. uh, that was the first time that he played. Um, or perhaps it was Celtic, actually. It might have been Celtic. Can't remember. But anyway, um, so, you know, I think I think there was maybe a little bit of Davey kind of saying to Jack Fitzwater, like, well, you know, you're going to have to really properly prove yourself, you know. So his deal's up at the end of the season. But in terms of, yeah, I mean, we've we've recruited majority well, I would say, but the, the majority of the players that were that are in our starting lineup are the same players that we had last season. Uh, I think really the only new person who's really kind of come in is uh, Bahambula. Yeah. Um, so well done, Bahambula. Yeah. Dylan Bahambula, who wears Moyo in the back of his shirt, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think, you know, our, our kind of starting 11 is pretty much unchanged from last season, just, just replacing... Uh, so we replaced Alan Forrest with Joel Nubley. Yeah. Um, Nubley obviously played last season as well, but uh, from January onwards. And Bahambula kind of came in for Odin Bailey, um, who uh, obviously was only unknown for us. So, uh, so yeah, I think having that kind of settled team and uh, that settled formation as well, we've kind of been playing a 4-3-3, um, which kind of seems to be pretty good for us. And, you know... Although they're not new signings, they, they kind of seem like new signings. Christian Montano being one of them, he was... I'm not going to say he was awful last season. You could tell there was brilliance in there, but just wasn't getting a kind of uh, a good a good crack at it. Um, and injuries and things like that kind of played on him last season. So he's kind of come in and been like a new signing for us, getting quite a few goals. And uh, Sean Kelly as well, who's kind of come out the middle of nowhere. Sean Kelly signed from... League One Fal- uh, Falkirk, <laughs> and then all of a sudden is like you know, uh, uh like a, a Sergio Busquets of our of our starting. <laughs> Where on earth did this guy come from? You know, this sort of like ex left back who now is somehow a brilliant ball carrying uh, defensive midfielder. So he's kind of come out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty settled, uh, it's a pretty settled squad, and um, but. Like uh, like all Livingston squads before, have good sides and and bad sides. Um, you know, in terms of just performance wise, we can we can perform very very well at times, but when we have an off game, it's it it, it doesn't change. You know, yeah. like there's no there's you know so, um so that's what's kind of worrying me about Tuesday night is going up against Aberdeen who play a kind of quite similar formation to us. Um, but uh, I think the, the the willingness to win is is higher on the uh, Aberdeen side than for us. I think. I think the interesting thing is, I mean, you touched on formations there because I was going to ask you about this because you you were at Rugby Park on on Friday night when yeah. so we were talking about it, and when I looked at the kind of um, when I looked at the data yesterday when we were recording our normal show that we'll mm-hmm. slot this into. It looked as though, from what I could see, that you guys kind of went with that. I, I know you said earlier it was like kind of four three three. It was like almost like a four three one two. I think Bahambula kind of playing maybe just slightly behind uh, a front pair of Nubly and Anderson. But that kind of, first of all, Jake, that's how you will approach it. Four three three four three one two type approach on on Tuesday night. You think you still stick with that sort of that pairing of, of certainly Nubly and Anderson, if nothing else. 
so on Friday night, we were kind of playing more of a um, like a four-two-three-one with Stephen Kelly playing just behind Bruce Anderson. Uh, Bahambula was still out wide. Nubli was uh, was out wide, but it wasn't really working that well. Um, I mean, the, the Bruce Anderson's goal was phenomenal, but it was really just a, a kind of one-man effort, really. There wasn't really kind of much. wasn't a team goal type of thing. Yeah. Um, but in the second half, we brought on Christian Montano uh, very early on uh, for Jackson Longridge, and Stephen Kelly was replaced by Stefano Mionga. And by bringing those two on, you know, you talk about substitutes changing games. Those two substitutes totally changed the game, um, which then allowed Pittman to play just behind Anderson uh, and uh, Omiyonga just doing what Omiyonga does and just nipping around the, just nipping around the pitch, just nibbling at everyone's ankles, and uh, and Montano was absolutely incredible. Like he, for me, had to be man of the match and was only on the field for you know thirty five minutes, thirty yeah. thirty five minutes or so. Um, so I can see us sticking with that because we we did try going to like a back five against Celtic. Um, you know, a side who are a lot more attacking than um than even say Rangers. Rangers even against us were not particularly that good in attack. So so we did kind of try this five at the back or three at the back, whichever way you want to put it. And it wasn't particularly that successful. So I can I can see us continuing with a with a sort of four three three or a four two three one. I think it depends. It will, well, I think we'll probably sit in for maybe the first kind of five, ten minutes just to see what Aberdeen are up to and hope that we don't concede. Uh, and, then, and then once then, you know, then it'll be, then the formation will probably be adapted to either yeah. being more attacking or if we're getting absolutely pummeled um, to sort of uh, keep it a little bit more defensive. But, uh, you know, Bahambula and Nubli for us are brilliant outballs um, yeah. out on the wing. Uh, even Montano, Montano is quite a tall laddie. So uh, the ball usually goes out to him on the wing uh, or to Devlin, who will then flick it on for Bahambula or, or Nubli, whoever's up there. And then uh, Bruce Anderson, he just, again, just does what Bruce Anderson's kind of done for us over the last couple of seasons. Again, just like Omiyonga, just runs around nipping at people, goes up for headers that he's never going to win. Nine times out of ten gets a free kick uh, for pushes or or whatever. So... Um, so I can see us kind of sticking, probably going with the same eleven, um, not necessarily the same eleven that started the game, but probably the same eleven that finished the game. Finished on, it, on yeah. Friday, yeah. Because it was it was a good result for you boys on on, on Friday night, especially because you were down twice in the game as well. So that mm. kind of result really usually, you know, you can normally see a bit of a spark in a team's form when they get a result like that, just mm-hmm. kind of coming from behind twice. It's going to be interesting from that perspective. I think the game on on Tuesday night because. We've kind of moved to a three-five-two um, mm-hmm. for the last few weeks, um, mainly in order to try and cover the defensive frailties we've got at pretty much Anthony Stewart, and then tries to allow Jaden Richardson's shortcomings as a fullback to be kind of covered up as well. But that will be an interesting battle, depending on how that works out in the middle of the park. Because I still think that in the middle of the park, we're a little bit—I want to say lightweight. Um, mm-hmm. Ramadani mm-hmm. is kind of the boy who's who's doing most of the work in there, but he's been flanked in recent weeks by Connor Barron and Leighton Clarkson, who are not the biggest of loons. Very good technically on the ball, mm. um, but what I expect to see from Livingston is is for that to be very combative, certainly in the centre of the park. To yeah. make, not going to make it easy for us to want to play football. Yeah, um, and that could be an area which is interesting. 
Well, our, our centre midfield is very, very similar to that. Though. Yeah. Our centre midfield are very sort of like small, tenacious players who want to play football. You know, Scott Pittman, uh, usually Scott Pittman, Jason Holt, Stefan Omionga. I mean, Steph, you need a pair of binoculars at Rugby Park to see Stefan Omionga because he's that small. Yeah. You know, he's he's, he's a small sort of uh, fast player. and I think um, it's that combative part I'm a little bit worried yeah. about. I don't yeah. see Barron and Clarkson as being those types of players. They want yeah, to... not like um, not like obviously someone like Lewis Ferguson who'll go yeah. for every single 50-50 ball. Like he would yeah. go for everything, um, and and that's what our kind of midfield is like. Um, so we, we've seen already this season teams come in and playing against us in that area and, and have kind of overrun us a little bit when they've come in, really put those boys under pressure quickly when, mm. they're, on, when they're on the ball um, they're very very good technically don't get me wrong um, mm. it's just that kind of ability to kind of deal with a team who's coming in really getting their faces which will be interesting I think to see how things go and like for us it's a, it's an interesting game on Tuesday night because we are away form in the last two or three seasons has been honking generally mm. with the exception of um, Livingston. Livingston or Perth <laughs> um, we got the monkey off our back obviously against uh, Motherwell a few weeks back but you know, so far this season on the road, we've not been we've not been great, and there is still that nagging concern. But for us, mm-hmm. we're looking at the next two games as if we can get two wins. Uh, obviously, yourself on Tuesday night, and then United mm-hmm. on Saturday puts us in a really good place going at this World Cup break. Um, yeah, so I'm going. I'm very very intrigued to see how we decide to set up away from home on, on Tuesday because I feel that we have to go out and I feel we have to try and get on the front foot. That's yeah. never easy against uh, no, I guess you no. boys at all. And but well, I think the other thing as well with uh, with Goodwin kind of at the helm of it, you know, Goodwin's faced us many, many times um, with uh, you know with in charge of Aloha, in charge of um, St Mirren as well. So um, he knows kind of what it's like coming to the Tony Mac or Almondvale. I, I always I've always said Almondvale to be honest, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think you know he 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 knows how to set up a team well, um, especially being like a former defender himself. I think you know I think the defense is is I think your defense will be fairly solid against us. The, the thing that worries me most is I'd like to think it would be, but we've not had well, yeah. scant evidence of it this season. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the thing the thing for us is um, certainly you know some of our results because even the past like three results, if you take that, you know our last three games have been. Yeah, we managed to to beat Kilmarnock, and Kilmarnock were awful. Don't get me wrong; like, I, I, how they managed to get two goals, they were just like essentially from set pieces, just big guy winning header in you know in the box. That was realistically where where their goals have come from. I did it. Um, McInnes so, team just lumping balls into the box for a big lad. I I refuse to believe it. I mean, you know, just <laughs> that's that's just the way that it seems to be. Yeah. Um, so you know we we do still have our defensive um, issues, and I mean you know without a doubt Fitzwater wasn't at his best on Friday night. Io, he's been brilliant this season, um, but most of the games that we've played when we've picked up results, we've been playing against teams that are only playing one up front. Whereas, like you're saying, you know you kind of been kind of going with that five three or or three five two. Yeah, we'll go two up top there's yeah. always going to be that extra person to pick up that second ball. And, uh, I mean, I watched the highlights when I, as soon as I got home from the Kilmarnock game on Friday, uh, just so happened to be right bang on time for, uh, for sports scene. So I managed to catch the, the Aberdeen highlights as well. 
and there's some scary players in there. Um, you know, I mean, and and you guys dropped us at the beginning of the season as well. So yeah, you know, but for for a Livy fan, forty minutes, you boys were the better team. The, the sending off changed the game completely. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's also the fact that we were the better team for forty minutes. It's kind of again been our story for quite yeah. a lot, especially against Aberdeen as well. Like in mm-hmm. recent times, like we, it always it always seems to be like we're either really good one half and then terrible in the second half. And it's not necessarily that the other team have been terrible in the first half and been better in the second half. It's just like our performance just kind of for some reason seems to seems to drop in the in this in the sort of second half. I mean, yeah. for us, for you know, a team as small as Livingston in terms of stature. To be playing a team like Aberdeen, who I mean, let's face it, you know, the third third biggest team for me in the in the in Scotland. Um, I think we approach that these type of games like we approach Celtic and Rangers in terms of, you know, try and get on the front foot in the first half. So, you know, we play well for the first 40 minutes, but then we get tired because we're, you know, essentially treating it the same way as an old firm game. So um yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be a for for Livingston's point of view. I think it's going to be a very difficult game on Tuesday. Um, would it be a surprise result if we came away with a result? Probably. Um, but I would just like to see us actually, um, you know, put in a good performance. Uh, that's that's kind of the main thing. Is like you know if if. I'm the type of Livy fan that is as long as as long as you can see that we're that, that we're aiming for a good performance and uh, and what have you and uh, I don't know it could even be a potential goal fest as well because we can't Friday night was the first time that we've scored um, that was the first time that we'd scored three goals this season we've never scored three goals in in one game in this season and it was only the second time this season where we scored two. So, uh, and, and I mean, to me, it's no coincidence that Bruce Anderson's back in the Skype. So I'm there hoping to see some, uh, some goals. I, I would like it to be, I, I mean, I would be very, very happy with a point going into it, especially considering, um, Aberdeen's result on Friday night. I mean, that was a very, very good result against what is a, that's Hibs. Not a lie. It's a very shit Hibs team. Hibs are pish on the road. Yeah, not just you should have just finished with Hibs are pish. Well, you know, um, I mean, I've got I've gone into a lot of trouble over the last twenty four <laughs> hours with um, Hibs Twitter. So you know, I don't know uh, too well. Hibs but, are, um, I mean, as, again, as a Livy fan, Hibs are just I just can't stand them. I just cannot stand them. Um, you know, only Falkirk fans are worse. <laughs> well. They had a pretty miserable weekend as well as it turned out. Yes, so, um, and and thank God for that. I oh man, there's one thing I love most on a Saturday is a Livingston win and a and a Falkirk loss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, getting a getting a very good result against and and fair enough. Yes, it was at home. Um, I mean, undoubtedly, our away form over the last few seasons has actually been better than our home form. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, but I don't think it, I don't think for for Livingston fans that that's a cause for concern. I think uh, you know we're we're a good side when we turn up. And again, for us, there's only for both teams there's only two more games before this World Cup break where um, you know there'll be a couple of players out there looking to impress before December, before the January window opens. You know, people like Fitzwater and stuff. So yeah, um, so it would be it would be nice to to see a nice wee. Levy result, but I wouldn't be surprised with a draw. 
aspirationally, yeah, just for Livy this season, because I'm, I'm just going to the league table now, and I'm interested by your response to this one because every time I ask Liam this question, like it's always just, <laughs> oh, just like survival is all we want, and I'm I'm looking for somebody here to kind of like you know, push uh, on a bit because at the moment, finish like, tenth, finish <laughs> tenth or above, and we're happy. Like this season, like we touched on it today, like obviously we're recording this Sunday night, so the results mm. today just didn't quite work out for you boys in terms of keeping you top six. Yeah, yeah. to pick up the win and Hearts did, but I mean, nineteenth. 19 points, sorry, eighth spot. Uh, you know, you're, you're only a point off of Hearts, you're only three points off Aberdeen. A win on Tuesday night for Livingston. That's after 13 games, is it? Yeah, uh, you're 13, you're level with us, so I'm 13, ah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, a win for you on Tuesday night brings you level points with ourselves. Um, mm. It's a tight league, the, the globe is forming all over again. Mm. I think you've got enough, of, I think Livingston have got way more enough about you to stay well clear of that kind of. 10th, 11th, 12th. I think the result on Friday night is a big one just to pull you away from Oh, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking upwards? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be that don't guy. Just it, using don't that. say it, do you? Well, I'm, right, so, I mean, if, if you consider, if we continue on the same vein of form that, we, that we're on this season, we'll be safe. Uh, we'll be safe. And it all depends on other teams around us, you know, like pulling away in, uh, in the top six. Um, I mean... Can we really see this St. Johnson resurgence lasting? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, well, well, is, you well, know. well, I know. What is that all about? But you know, Stevie May was like awful at one point, and then he became really good. Got his move, became awful, got injured, came back up to Scotland, and was and has been awful ever since, <laughs> and until like January of last year. And then after January of last year, I mean. I, He's become like one of the fastest players in the SPFL. It's ridiculous. Maybe the rest of the SPL is just getting slower. Maybe that's what it but, is. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe, all relative, I mean, isn't the game's it? Just, yeah, the game's just getting a little bit slower. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, but will will Hibs get any better? I don't think so. Will Kamarnock get any better? I mean, they were woeful on Friday night, so I can't Kamarnock see them. the worst team I've seen this league, this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, without a doubt for me. Uh, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I mean, Ross County, they kind of, you know, they pull a result out of their arse every so often. Um, but will they have enough to climb up the league? Stunned United, just awful as well. So, you know, I, I think I think technically for us, seventh, sixth or seventh, um, at this moment, at, at this point in the season, sixth or seventh would be um, would be a great aim for us. Um, even if we can do our usual sneak into the top six and then just lose every game for the rest of the season, <laughs> um, at least we've got the top six money. Who cares? <laughs> no, um, top six isn't uh, out with our reach, but um, I think come come the end of like the January transfer window, that's when that's I suppose as a Livy fan, that's when you're going to know because again, people like Stefan Omionga. Mm. Jack Fitzwater are constantly touted with moves away. They're both out of contract at the end of the season. So the chances are that we're going to be looking for money for them in January, as opposed to keeping ahead of them and losing them out, uh, losing out with them for free. So, but again, that'll all depend on where we are in the league. Cause I mean, we could be sitting fourth or fifth and well, then exactly, we're like, yeah. well, let's just sell them because you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, content sitting where we are. Or we'll be in the lower half of the league, and then it's like, right, well, now it's time for a change, you know. So we'll we'll bring in some uh, some other players, and then just kind of bed them in for the rest of the season. So, yeah. um, top six is definitely not 
out with Livingston and I wouldn't be surprised if we got top six. Um, but it depends whether or not we start picking up points against teams that, as Livy fans, we feel as, as though we should pick and be picking points up from. You know, players, uh, teams like Dundee United, St. Johnson, uh, Ross County, Motherwell, um, Hibs. You know, I these sort of things. Hibs, that's fine. Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're king of the Lothians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apart from against Hearts, we, we kind of we're a bit dodgy against Hearts, but I think we're unbeaten against Hearts and Hibs this season, so uh, that's not too bad. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Come on, then. listen. I'm not going to let you go without giving me a prediction for Tuesday night. A hopeful we prediction. The, we need to put you on the spot. Right. Okay. A hopeful prediction from me. Uh, I mean, I'm just because of how buoyed I am after uh, after Friday and how good. I, I just I just also want to see how good our away crowd was as well. We, I think we had a ticket allocation of 250 for Friday night's game, and we took 191 for Friday night from Livingston. That is not bad. So that is absolutely incredible for me so and just with the reaction that the crowd was given on friday night i think that we might be able to uh power behind us for 3-1 3-1 livy 3-1 livy and bruce anderson to score at least all three probably Mm, bruce anderson to score three and uh a certain j emmanuel thomas who'll be on trial He'll be able to play one game as a trialist for a Livingston. He'll score a penalty or something. Oh, <laughs> it's Jay a very Daniel hopeful Thomas. 3-1. Uh, the chances are it'll probably 3-1 the opposite way. But uh, um, no, I think um, we are very, very good. We are looking very, very good moving forward. And I think it'll be one of those performances where I think we'll surprise uh, as opposed to just lie down. So, um, so yeah. What about you? What was your? What's going to be your prediction? Oh, what did I do? I can't even remember now because I, I, we recorded our main part yesterday and I can't uh, even remember what I did, but I'll do it now. Um, I'm going to say uh, Livingston 2, Aberdeen 3. Um, so we, don't keep, the... we don't keep clean sheets, so um, we'll definitely concede. Historically, neither really do we. So, um, <laughs> But I think maybe we might have got our, the bit between our teeth a little bit on Tuesday night. And like I say, I think it's, it's massive for us to go into the World Cup with two wins. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we really we really need to try and push on and try and create a bit of a gap between ourselves and the forming glob if we can before we get into that. We're in we're in the position to do it and I think we need to kick on. If we can do that, suddenly our season looks a lot more promising than it did this time last weekend. Um mm, mm. off the back of that debacle Ibrox. So I'm gonna I'm gonna um for once I'm gonna put heart above head and I'm gonna see we're actually gonna do it and, and yeah, three two. But I think it'll be a decent game actually, hopefully. Yeah, I think it's gonna Tuesday be a good night. game. Annoyingly for me, I'm actually working on Tuesday night, so uh, I'll have to uh keep up to date on Twitter as per usual. The joys. Uh, I know, but uh no, I think uh yeah, I say I think I think we'll spring a little surprise. There'll be there'll be a little surprise in there. Um so that's just me excellent love it mate owen from the view <laughs> podcast top man thanks for joining us not a problem thank you very much not a problem um, i was gonna say all the best for the week ahead <laughs> but i've been lying um, well well yeah well i mean you, you were you were gonna say all the best if i'd said that we were gonna lose so that this is all just down to my prediction that's, <laughs> that's all it, it is exactly but <laughs> genuinely all the best for the rest of the season i, uh, I nice say this one. every time when i speak to the, from to you guys and I, I say it to a lot of people on twitter as well because i know that like I know Livy get like this really like weird bad rap amongst like fans in Scottish football about like the size of crowds and stuff. And I'm always like, you know what? I I've got so much time for like 
Livingston Football Club is in in the, in the fullest sense because I know the work that the club do in the community and stuff is amazing. Um, but also like for the supporters and stuff, it's like it's not an easy place to grow up and decide to support Livingston with a pool of the four big teams that are in such close proximity to you guys. Mm. Um, I genuinely mean it from the bottom heart. I've got so much time in the world for 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 Livingston and for the fans there. So I do genuinely wish you all the best for the rest of the season. But like I say, just not when it comes up against Aberdeen and Forest. But there we go, man. But listen, <laughs> well, I mean, best, I, I'd be I'd be the same if I was uh, if I was on the other side of the coin. You know, great uh, stuff. Aye. Nice one. Thanks for joining us, mate. And, no problem, um, man. I'm sure we'll probably see you again later in the season. I'm sure you will. Sure Cheers. Bye bye. Enjoy. See you. So Gav, after after talking with Liam, uh, with Owen, Liam, <laughs> after talking with Owen, your uh, predictions for for Tuesday night at the Tony Mac. I think it's a big game. I think it's very important we go into the World Cup with as many points on the board as we can, and you know make sure that we're in third place and you know give ourselves a really solid platform to go on and and make the most of the second half of the season. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I. I've liked a lot of what Livingston have done since they've come back up into the league. They're frustrating as hell to play against, but you know, I think they, they know what they're good at and they're, and you know, they've, they've just, they've enhanced that with every, with every passing season. And I think they are got all the makings of being a top six side um, this year under, under Martindale again. It's big in the sense of that, you know, we've come off the back of, a very disappointing away defeat at Ibrox. But prior to that, we, you know, kind of got the monkey off our back in in beating Motherwell and, you know, getting another away win. And you just want to, like I said earlier, our home form is, is good in the league. It's really good, actually, in that five wins from six. If we can make Pataldry a fortress and win, you know, continue at that rate, then we're in good shape. If we can just start picking up wins and draws away from home, then we're going to be in, you know, really good shape come the end of the season. Livingston on paper to me are a team that we can go up against and control the ball and take the game to them. I think we've got a real attacking threat if teams let us come at them. So I think all the ingredients are there for us to go to the to the Tony Mac and come away with three points. So with that being said, I have no doubt it's going to be difficult because it always is against Livingston. But I think we're going to come away with a 2-0 win. You know, just as we've been talking, I've just spotted some men have actually just scored against Ross County to go 2 1 up at halftime in Dingwall. So they will be joining us on 22 points if that uh, stays that way. So, um, but, it's, but you're very, you're right about the sense that it's not going well for Ross County. It's really not, is it? It's really not. That's Two wins from 14 as it currently stands. It's a shame. Um, but you're right in the sense of it's, I think these two games now are, are critical. Maybe not critical, but I think they. If we could win these next two games, Livingston and then United, go into the win, go into um, the World Cup on kind of twenty-eight points, that would well, we'd be guaranteed to be in third place going into the World Cup then, because if if we do that, no one can come over the top of us anyway. So that's that that would be a good place to be. Um, League Cup semi-final under the belt as well. I mean, I think that would be probably about as much as Jim Goodwin could have realistically hoped for at the start of the season going into the World Cup break. Um. But the glob is also starting to form a little bit, and you're right in the sense of our home form's been good. Like you know, five wins from six is is not to be sniffed at at home at all. Um, there's two wins against obviously the Edinburgh teams as well. Now I think earlier on our our home form is being you know puffed up a little bit because we played some of the lesser teams in the league potentially at home. Um, but to have now you know at least seen off the two Edinburgh sides 
Well, I mean, you say that playing the lesser teams at home last season was not so easy. So. No, I know exactly. So, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I agree with you about it's that. Coming. Um, but if we could string together a bit of consistency on the road, I think that we could really actually, I think we could potentially look at pulling away a little bit in terms of that race for third spot, which is so depressing to be talking like that. But realistically, we're already probably at that kind of point in the season where we're talking like that already now. It could be really critical for us to, to just. It, you, I think you could see us pulling away from it. You could see us doing a little bit of what Hearts did last season if we could just string some results away uh, together on the road. So it's for that reason alone. I think because this is the last away game going into the World Cup break, it would be a real confidence builder. I think if we could have won two of our last three away games as well, notwithstanding what happened at Ibrox, which was still terrible. So fingers crossed. There's a lot of focus on this one. I'm sure there will be, um, and we can eradicate any of the kind of stupidity that we've seen in recent. Um, recent visits to 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 Amundvale in particular I'm going to hope for I'm going to predict uh, Amundvale um, that's very retro that is retro I'm going to predict uh, Livingston 1 because we're not going to keep a clean sheet Aberdeen 3 I will suggest that Duke will get 1 and Miofsky is going to continue on the goal trail and so that wraps up this week's no it's not this week's that wraps up and so that wraps up part 1 of this week's double header of ABZ Football Podcast episodes. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, or follow wherever on your podcast player of choice and join us later in the week for episode 70, where we will look back over our visit to West Lothian and we'll preview our last game before the World Cup break. A Saturday night football returns and the Dons look to exact revenge against Dundee United. Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!